we have been going through a series leading up to Easter uh, called Unself, that Jesus himself led us through his life, um, uh, through this process uh, that is a necessary process of denying ourselves, of dying to ourselves, of unselfing our life, to where we are not the main focus and purpose and direction of our life, that we do not uh, create the definition of our own identity, um, but we, in fact, uh, let go of those things. Uh, the things of this world, um, they are blessings that God gives us, but they are not the source of our focus. And so Jesus showed us that, that throughout our life, we have to learn to humble ourselves, submit ourselves to God. And as we do so, that is when we find life. He said that if we will lose this life, and it doesn't mean you give up on everything, but if everything just is not your focus, uh, then, he said, we will gain life. But he said if you will gain this life, if you reach for everything, if you just live for all the gusto that, that you can get out of life, it says that you will end up losing it. He says you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. And so we have been reminding ourselves in so many different areas uh, how we are called uh, to discipline ourselves and let go of the, the direction that the rest of the world follows. Um, yes, we enjoy life but we enjoy it as God gives it to us. And we enjoy it along the path and journey and sovereign will that God leads us on. And so today we come to the culmination of that. Jesus has just given himself in the ultimate act of unselfing himself. In fact, he, he gave himself physically, emotionally, in every way to the point of death and even to the point of death on a cross. Um, not just where he experienced the physical uh, turmoil and, and absolute torture, but he experienced the worst emotional uh, distress than we could ever imagine. None of us have been treated by our close friends, uh, by those around us, by those in society, the way Jesus was turned on and mocked and, and uh, hated and despised by people that he loved. And so you can imagine the emotional drain on him for that. Uh, not only that, but relationally, those that were following him betrayed him. They left him. Um, and, and so uh, he was alone at his worst time. But not only that, the worst part of all, the cup that he took was that he was willing to unself himself to the degree that he was even separated from his father in heaven. That he himself, as God, was torn apart from that identity with God and was forsaken by the very purpose of his life. And so he took on the penalty of our sin. He totally unselfed uh, his life. And, and if it would have ended there, it would have been a declaration that this teaching that Jesus had taught us is, is worthless. In, in fact, why would any of us want to follow the teachings of Jesus? In fact, anyone that says that Jesus was a great teacher and yet he was not God, um, you're crazy. 
uh, because if he just ended up dying, being tortured, and put in the tomb, um, then his teaching is, is unfruitful. It, it leads us nowhere. Um, and yet, that wasn't the end. And so today, we look at the culmination uh, and really the foundation of why we can unself ourselves and why we should even be more determined to become more selfless, to become more humble, to be more serving of those around us, to be more passionate for our God. And, and so we want to pick up the story. Of course, we know this was uh, on the third day, uh, and many people say, well, he wasn't dead for three days. He didn't say he would be dead for a period of three days. He said, on the third day, I would rise and rebuild this body. And so we know that he was dead and laid in the tomb on Friday. He laid dead all of Saturday, the second day. He laid dead early Sunday morning, uh, the third day. But on that third day, early in the morning, uh, we know that he rose and he defeated uh, death and he defeated uh, the consequence and the condemnation of sin uh, for all of us. So we're going to pick it up. We've been going through the book of Luke, and we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 24. So it says in verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, uh, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose, and he ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves. And he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. You see, we can rejoice because Jesus rose from the dead. The, the, the grave could not hold him because he himself was sinless. Even though he took the consequence and the condemnation of sin, he was able to defeat sin because he in himself lived a sinless life for he was the very purification, the very image of God. And so death could not hold him even though he took on himself all of our sin. And so because of that, the penalty of sin for those who would put their life in his hands was wiped away. That there is no longer uh, a condemnation of sin for those who have 
submitted themselves and yielded themselves and acknowledged that Jesus is Lord of their life. And so he is alive. Now this resurrection is the very reason um, that we exist as a body, as a uh, belief, as a uh, uh, relationship with God, a religion, if you want to say. It is not about his teachings. It is not about a philosophy. It is not because we believe uh, that Jesus uh, was the son of God or that he um, was a great teacher. The resurrection is the whole. If it is not for the resurrection, um, and, and it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that everything we preach is a sham because God did not come in the form of Jesus to give us another belief system, to give us another set of rules and regulations to follow. Um, he came to personally start a relationship with us that as we engage with him, uh, we receive the freedom that he earned on the cross, but he only earned it when he rose from the dead. See, the resurrection is the stamp of approval. It is the resurrection uh, that uh, is the actual uh, uh, signed certificate that it's official. You see, it's, it's kind of like having a marriage license. You can fill it all out and everyone can sign it, but if it is not turned in, approved, and stamped, then it means nothing. Until it has that approval, um, it means nothing. It's just paper. And so it's the same thing with Jesus. Even though he gave great promises and great teachings, without the approval, it's just another person on this world uh, 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 teaching good things and, and uh, leading a philosophy of life. But you see, no other person on this earth has been able to follow through with any kind of claims that they would rise from the dead, that they would approve it, they would prove uh, uh, that their promises have been activated. And so it is the resurrection uh, that it is the, it is the plaque on the wall. It is the actual uh, uh, approval that we um, have been accepted, that the sacrifice was accepted. Uh, you see, in the old ways, uh, they would bring the sacrifices to the temple and they had to follow all the rules uh, to get it just right. And then once a year, the high priest would take the blood of the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies uh, to cover the people's sin. But if that sacrifice was not accepted, if the requirements were not fulfilled, then we know that the high priest was killed instantly and that sacrifice was, was not accepted. Uh, death was the result. But the way that the people of Israel knew that the sacrifice was accepted, that their sins were covered, was that the priest would come out of the Holy of Holies alive, that God had accepted the sacrifice. And you see, that is what Jesus has done for us. He has come out of the Holy of Holies. He has come out of the presence of God. And because he is alive, he is not still dead. That is the proof, that is the declaration that we can have that freedom and purification and, and, and cleansing uh, from all of our own striving. You see, it is what gives us confidence that we can unself ourselves. You see, if he had not rose, I, I would be a fr 
afraid uh, of everything to unself myself because why? Why lose everything in the world just to know that I'm not going to get anything afterwards? Uh, if that was the case, then we should live, uh, be merry and party because tomorrow we die. But yet that didn't happen. You see, Jesus rose so that now I have no problem laying down my life. You see, that should give us boldness that we will lay down our life because Jesus arose. He proved that his promise was true when he said, if you will lose this life, you will gain it. You see, his resurrection proved that statement true. So now we can hold on to it. I want to show you three things real quick before we finish the rest of this chapter um, that gives you an encouragement to continue this journey of unselfing your life. There's three things that the resurrection does for us uh, that, that equips us uh, and spurs us on to a life of selflessness that we too are called to deny ourselves. We're not called just to celebrate, yeah, we're free now, look what Jesus did and now I can live my own life. No, he called us to that life of denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following him. But now we can do it without fear. Now we can do it knowing uh, that the end result uh, is life because he did it first. Now we follow him. Um, we don't escape it. We now follow him into it knowing uh, the result. We're going to pick up the story. It says in verse 13, um, it says, Now behold, two of them, being the disciples, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that, that uh, you have with one another as you are walking and you're so sad? Then one of uh, those whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that you have not known the things which have happened these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was uh, he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since all of these things happened. And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us, when they did not find his body and they came saying that they also had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things so that he may enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses... And all the prophets, he expounded to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then they drew near to the village uh, where they were going, and yet he indicated that he would go on farther. But they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is almost evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread 
and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from the room. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures to us? So we see this picture that Jesus sat with these disciples and opened up the scriptures to them. He opened their eyes to see that the Christ had to die, that the way of salvation was through this humbling of oneself. It was not through a taking of power. It was not through a, a conquest uh, of uh, uh, victory, but it was through a suffering for others. It was through this, and it was seen throughout the scriptures. And, and it see, says that their eyes were opened and that they realized the plan of God was this all along. Now it goes on, and it wasn't just these two disciples uh, but now it says um, uh, that uh, in verse 33, it says, so they rose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, and they told them the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them and the breaking of bread. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself once again stood in the midst of them and he said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and they supposed that they were seeing a ghost. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Why do you have doubts in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet that it is myself. Here, touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said these, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe, for joy, they began to marvel. And he said to them, do you have any food here? And so they gave him a piece of boiled, frit, uh, broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And then Jesus said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. You see, here's the one purpose of the resurrection. It was to fulfill the scriptures and to be the evidence that everything that God has been laying out is true. And you see, when we begin to see that everything God has promised has come to pass, then there is a boldness within us. There is a new faith. The resurrection gives us a new faith to be able to unself ourselves. You see, we are able to begin a life uh, of sacrifice, of submission to God, that I can submit my desires to God. Why? Because God has shown himself faithful, because Jesus arose from the dead, just like he said. So therefore, the plan of God can be trusted. This is the awesome thing of the resurrection. And it says that it was not just... Uh, for the disciples, but it was shown throughout the Bible from the law, from the prophets, from the Psalms, 
from every part of the Bible, the resurrection is the culmination that gives us a faith in the plan that God has for us. And so if God has a plan for me, and when he tells me that if you will deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, I have a plan for you and I will bring you life, then I can trust it because Jesus is alive. You see, the very source of our faith and our trust and our confidence to unfold ourselves before others, to become so vulnerable in this life when everyone else is seeking out their own desires, is pleasing themselves. The reason I can uh, follow the will of God rather than my own will is because I have seen the plan of God come true. And if it came true through the resurrection of Jesus, then that means that his plan for me will also come true. And so it is the very foundation of my faith in, in lowering myself and picking up the mantle of Christ, to live for Christ, because I know his plan is faithful. And he has proven himself, not just one of big words and great promises, but one that follows through. And so we have this hope and this faith that God has a plan for our life. God has a plan for your life, but we have to trust it. We have to lower ourselves. We have to die to ourselves so that that plan can take precedence in our life. Because if we just go about our own uh, uh, path, then we lose the very promises of God. And so the resurrection gives us that faith and, and hope and confidence that I can die to myself, just as Jesus died to himself and, and he suffered, but he rose again. And so I too, no matter what cost it may take, even if it takes my life, I'm willing to pay it because that means then I too will resurrect with Jesus to glory, uh, uh, that this uh, life cannot be taken away from me. But not only do we have a new faith because of the resurrection, but we have a new purpose. You see, now we have a direction because he goes on, Jesus said, uh, not only does it fulfill the scriptures that the Christ must suffer and rise from the dead, but it was so that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. You see, the resurrection was a, an anointing for us. He said, now I have finished my path and I have risen to glory. And now I send you as my ambassadors because I desire that everyone that is lost be found. And so you are my witnesses to share this glory that as you unself your life and you live a life selflessly uh, for the purposes of God, you now have a mission. You see, the resurrection of Jesus gave us a mission. My life has meaning now. It's not just how much pleasure can I have. It's not just how much uh, can I accomplish in this world and then yet it's lost when I die. No, I have a greater mission. Jesus said, now that I have risen, I give you a mission that you go and be my witnesses, that you go and share the love to those around, that you go and become a reflection of life that you see in me. Let people know that I am alive and I am interceding for them at the right hand of God. You see, he has given us purpose and mission 
I don't have to grasp for all the things that everyone else grasps for because I have a bigger mission. I have a bigger plan that God has given me and he's given you because you are purposeful in his kingdom. We are called to be witnesses. And that is not only out in the world, but also in the body. We are to build the church. It says we are to make disciples, uh, that we are to build one another up so that the world may see uh, that they are invited, that through compassion and love and service, we might bring as many as possible out of the slavery of sin, the deception of this world. What a purpose do we have? We are Christ's ambassadors. We are royal envoys to this world. And so we don't have to be afraid of laying down our life because me laying down my life is a great honor for my king. And so the resurrection gives us purpose and mission in life. You know, they say this is the greatest question in life, the meaning of life. It's not a great question. It has been told us over and over. The meaning of life is to glorify God. And now there is a new meaning that we have the privilege of bringing people to that same knowledge. The meaning of life is found in a risen Savior, in Jesus, who then will bring us one day into that kingdom. Well, that's not the last thing. We have a, a new faith. We have a new mission. But look what the resurrection gave us. He goes on and he says this, not only are you my witnesses to all these things, but behold, I will send the promise of my Father upon you. So tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are enabled with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he was separated from them and he was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. You see, the final thing is he didn't leave us empty and unselfed. He didn't leave us broken and, and groveling on the ground as we have emptied ourselves and unselfed ourselves. But he said, as you unself yourself, as you empty yourself, I am going to fill you. I'm going to fill you with my power. So it's no longer you, but it is now my very spirit in you. You see, this had never happened and it was not possible until the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the Holy Spirit would move on people in the past in, in, in individual instances and for temporary times. But now that Jesus had accomplished uh, the ultimate sacrifice and it was accepted and approved, now the Spirit was able to come and fill those of us who would receive that redemption uh, because of his purification. And now we are filled with a new power. Uh, you see, what greater reason do we have to humble ourselves and to stop living for ourselves than so that we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, Jesus said, I'm going to put my very spirit in you. The very ability that I was able to do all the things that you saw me do, you're going to get that very essence within you. And that's why Jesus was also able to say that the things that I did, you're going to do the same things and even greater things because I'm alive and I'm living in you. You see, the resurrection has empowered us to be the very best that we could have ever been on ourselves. We can never accomplish the things that we can accomplish in the spirit. Now, it may not be what the world thinks is great, but I'm going to tell you it will be what 
God has stated is great and there will be great reward through it. But we have the power to do what God has called us to do. He wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Um, He wants to begin to to, uh, use that uh, very presence within us for several, several things. First, it will remind us of his words. He says, the Holy Spirit will remind you uh, what I have told you. It will encourage you. It says it will be a helper. It will be a comforter. Uh, when you go through hard times, because when we live a life of unselfing ourselves, there's going to be hard times. But yet we have a comforter that is with us, and it is the Holy Spirit that was poured out upon us because Jesus was alive. So I want to encourage you today. Will you follow Jesus even to the cross? Will you begin to lay down your life and say, God, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm no longer going to live my life on all these pursuits for myself or for my children or for my friends or for my work. I realize that I have been spending my life in a futile path that leads to emptiness and death. But from now on, even if it means sacrifice, even if it means missing out, even if it means mocking, I am going to lay myself down and I do it joyfully. You know why? Because Jesus rose to give me new faith. He showed me that the plan of God is faithful. Even when I don't understand it, I can trust it because he rose from the dead. And I have a new mission and I'm going to do it because God has called me and he has privileged me with the mantle of his son and his ambassador. And I am going to do it because I don't have to worry about being able to do it myself, but I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, if we will begin to let the resurrection wipe away all the doubts and all the fears, then we can truly follow Jesus in his footsteps. Whatever the cost may be, Let's begin truly being the church that is unselfed, that is no longer focused on ourselves, so that we can truly love those around us, so that we can be a reflection of the power and the compassion of a God who died and redeemed us to make us his. Now, there is one final promise that the scriptures tell us that have not been Fulfilled, And this is the final promise that we hold to. We unself ourselves because Jesus said, I'm going away, but only to prepare a place for you. And one of these days I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you. And no longer will you be unselfed, but you will be my children. And we will live in the purpose that God has meant for us from the very beginning. And so we look to that day that one day God is going to call us home. And we are going to receive the glory and the honor and the rewards that Jesus has earned for us. And so will you take up that mantle? Will you believe in Jesus? Will you put your life down for Jesus and say, I will follow you? You see, it's not about a prayer. It's not about a belief in your head. It's about a choice to follow. You see, if you say a prayer, but you don't follow, it doesn't mean anything. Jesus has called us to follow him to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and live for him. And if we do that, we can be like the disciples who it says joyfully worshiped him every day. And they saw the glory of God. Let me pray with you.